Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. This season, we're inviting you to take the Lit Grit Challenge by reading great literature just one hour a day, 52 books in 52 weeks to give you the grit you need to succeed. Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm Patty Stuckler, and I'm joined by my son, Connor. That's right. I'm so glad you're always uh, willing to come on with me and discuss these great books. It's taking some grit. <laughs> yes. And then you're getting grit, That's right? right. That's In the right. Lit Grit Challenge. So hopefully some of you are, you know, finding the time to carve out an hour every day and reading a book a week. And hopefully you're reading some of the books that, uh, that we're covering and highlighting and today we have, oh my gosh, Dave Ramsey. I love Dave Ramsey. I mean, who doesn't love Dave Ramsey? Yeah, I'll be honest. I've never, I mean, I've heard of his name, but I've never listened to his radio show or read any of his books. So it was, it was a really good experience for me and pretty, pretty eye-opening experience <laughs> for all, all the things I'm kind of doing wrong managing my money. So it's a, it's a really good book to read and it's really, I think, in line with what we're trying to get out of the Lit Grit Challenge. I think that's what's so perfect because I think probably a lot of people my age, a lot of people middle-aged and so forth are definitely uh, more familiar with Dave Ramsey, but I think a lot of people in their 20s, you know, millennials and whatever, are probably not like you weren't. And I think we're probably some of the people most in need of of hearing the stuff he says. so true. (laughs) Well, and and just, I mean, just, you know, starting investing early and for your retirement early, because the biggest friend you have is compound interest. I mean, that's, that's really how you build wealth, and that's, so I think every, you know, young person needs to probably at least be familiar with it. With compounding interest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just have to say, I mean, just from my own personal experience, I mean, throughout my married life and my adult life, um, I mean, I've had my own challenges when, like anybody or like most people when sure. it comes to money. And, I mean, I know what it's like to be broke. I mean, in 2009, well, the market, real estate market crashed, of course, as everybody knows, in 2008. Right. So by 2009, I mean... We were just flat broke. I mean, it was a really scary time. I can remember the summer of 2009. I don't think we shared anything with you and Haley. I think you probably shared a little more with Haley than, than me. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, we really kind of shielded you guys and just took on that challenge of, of you know, getting our stuff together. Uh, but it was a very scary time in 2009. I mean, I, I literally would, you know, uh, in selling real estate, every commission check, I would make sure that my mortgage was paid. And then pray to God that I'd have enough to pay the electric. I mean, it was that scary. And yeah. I knew friends, personal friends, and lender, lenders and realtors that literally lost their homes. So I know that I wasn't alone. And, in fact, I, from that point on, oh, my gosh, as a realtor, I sold so many short-sold houses yeah. where I, I, the people were short-selling them because they didn't have any equity and they needed to get out and they you know, couldn't sell their house. So, I mean, it was a bad time for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, was, it was the, the Great Recession, so. Yeah, I mean, it was, so, to, to sweat your bills and know, and, and not only did I not have uh, much money to, and thankfully, we never, we didn't lose our house, we, and we regrouped and, and got it together and, and, you know, flourished eventually, but I know what that's like, which is a real eye-opener and yeah. probably a good thing for almost anybody, because then you look at money very differently, you, you value it, you understand it much more, and, and, um, we were $63,000 in credit card debt in 2009, and after reading Dave Ramsey, I read a Dave Ramsey book back then, and so I made a chart, 
and literally had every credit card from big ones to the small ones mm -hmm. to the store store ones. Um, and, and I can even remember putting my, come to think of it, but I'm having like a horrible flashback. <laughs> but I can remember putting my electric bill payment on a credit card. It was that bad. I was just really robbing Peter to pay Paul. It was just, it was just the only thing I made sure I had the money for was the mortgage payment. Right. So people need to keep that in mind. That's, that's your number one bill to pay your right. rent or your mortgage payment if you own your house. Uh, but, but I, I, so I made a list and then I would, as I had a small amount to pay off something, I would pay off a small credit card first and then wipe it off the list and cut that card up. Then I would go down to where then I was finally down to one big credit card debt and then kept chipping away, chipping right. away, all the way down until I was debt free. Yeah. So it's and, and of course Dave talks about this in, in Total Money Makeover and he's done lots of other books and Yep, it's it's step number two in the in the process. That <laughs> Dave rolls out. He calls it the debt snowball. He says Line up all your bills from, from smallest to largest and then start by knocking out those smallest ones because then you gain momentum. That's why he calls it the debt snowball. So, And you see, hey, you're, you're making progress. You've knocked that bill off. You've knocked this one off. And you can kind of track it, which keeps you motivated. And Well, and what's interesting is he, he talks about in the beginning of this book about that his... What he, what he talks about in his books and his radio program and seminars and so forth, lectures is common sense when it comes to money. He says the, the principles he, that he talks about are from God and your grandmother, but the plan is from him. And I love that yeah. when he, he puts that in there. That, and it's so true that if you really step back and think about it, it really is a lot of common sense, but there are a lot of things that people just don't understand. Well, that's the thing about common sense. It's not so common. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Like when he talks about uh, everything from insurance what kind of insurance to buy, what not to buy, mm -hmm. um, and things like car loans. I know you found that interesting. Yeah, I found that really interesting because I've, I've often thought, well, does it make sense to lease? You know, because I've always been told that as soon as you drive a car off the lot, you know, you've, you've taken the biggest hit you're, you're going to take. It's worth thousands. So it's always been a – I was always taught by you and Dad that, you know, buying a brand-new car is a – Bad investment Dumb. unless you can unless you can do a um, you know the tax write off for the depreciation or, or the mileage or whatever. But um, that was really interesting to me. And then he also talks about well oh you can because he goes over myths uh, about debt and and money. And then he gives you the, the the cold hard truth of it. And then he talks about like oh you can buy a brand new car with zero percent interest. And he talks about what a uh, bad deal that is because it's, he says yeah you're paying zero percent interest but your car is now worth you know. $10,000 less than you just paid for. He said that's a heck of a lot more than zero interest. So I thought that Although was really Although he does say when it comes to cars, you, you, you either buy a, a car that's two to three years old right. because said, so much that, of the depreciation. Exactly. They've is, already taken the biggest hit in value. Yeah, and then yet it's still a newer vehicle. Right. Yep. Or he says it's okay if you, you want to buy a new car if you keep it 10 years or longer, which I'm the kind of person who actually does that. So I've bought a number of new cars over the I years. Think you're justifying your. No, decision. I'm absolutely <laughs> not justifying. You know it's true. I I, I, I no, keep I, a car until I'm it's running saying, to the ground. <laughs> I think I must have missed that part where it says it makes sense to buy a new car. Yeah, you know he doesn't actually say it in this book. <laughs> okay, he okay. doesn't. That's awful convenient. No, <laughs> that's awful convenient. Sounds like you're trying to justify you wanting to buy a new car, but no, right, but whatever. you can you can look that up. Um, I have read it in other Dave Ramsey books that if you know it's okay, and I've heard him say it on his radio program. If, you, if you're the kind of person who does hold a car, and most people do not, after right. 
four, five, six years, people are tired of their car. They want something new and flashy and, you know. Yeah. And after reading this book, I learned that that was probably the only thing I've been doing right is actually buying my cars in cash, cash. and then not having a car payment. <laughs> so I felt pretty good about that. And if you're looking to buy a car with cash and get a good deal, you can hit up Charlie Harris. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're going <laughs> to plug to Charlie. So, no, it's true, though. Especially your age group is probably the most susceptible for... You know, as soon as you get the job and you get a little bit of income coming in, then all of a sudden you want to feel like, you know, you've made it, you're successful. Instead of, and so instead of buying a house, people go out and buy a brand new car yeah. for $30,000 or $40,000 or some ridiculous amount of money. And then, of course, they can't afford to buy the house because they've got a big car payment. It's right. just really stupid. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And I mean, and I, we, well, Rose and I went out to dinner um, like a week ago and two of our friends and they had like $900 in car payments. And um, I, that was just an eye-opening thing. Um, and it made me feel lucky that I know Charlie Harris. Uh, I can buy my cars from him. But because um, that's that's such a big thing. And he talks about the, the debt of having that and, and what a, what an expense that is. And then that it's a depreciating asset. So it's that was pretty, pretty eye-opening for me. Because, I mean, shoot, that's almost a mortgage payment or at least half of a mortgage payment. Yeah, and what I like to do with cars is if I buy a new car, especially if it's something I can take a Section 179 deduction, which we will not get into because that's about businesses and, and heavier right. vehicles and yep. things like that, uh, and that this book isn't talking about things like uh, tax strategies, but but I like to to buy it for for that reason, and then and then I do keep it for 10 years, and I tend to get like a five-year car loan or a four-year car loan, and I always pay it off in three. Mm -hmm. I find out what the amortization is for a three-year payment, and then I always pay it off in three years. So that the reason I do that is because then if I wanted to, if, if something happened where I was had some kind of you know downturn uh, financially, sure. then my payment that I would be obligated to would be a lot less, but I always pay them off in three years. So, right. you know, smart. it's a... It's just the way I, I do it. And in fact, with this book, I think for um, most people, most more people are employees than they are employers right. uh, than own businesses. So I think this book in particular for somebody who has a set income as an employee, yep. it is, it's golden. I think it's absolutely. Um, now, I, as a business owner, I do things a little bit differently sure. uh, than some of the things that yeah, are. And, and even, even me, I mean, I'm, you know, commission based so it's not like a set income every time and um but the principles are still the same and he does touch on that a little bit but i think you're right it's more it's it's a great book for like a fixed income mm -hmm. person trying who's, who's built up some you know some well and, card debt and or people or who have small businesses too right. i'm not saying that it's not, because like i said i i subscribe to a whole lot of of the principles that that dave talks about i don't like um debt but i'm but i'm more of a risk taker than, than probably, you know, yeah. he would subscribe to. Sure. I, I have a feeling just, yeah. <laughs> right? I yeah, mean, yeah. you got that in reading it, I would imagine. Yep, yep. Kind of like sure make did. all the money first and then buy, you know, even a house, buy it all, you know. Yeah. Not that he's saying exactly that, but he's saying pay off everything, including your mortgage, mm -hmm. which I think is great too. And I don't, I don't think people should take, you know, do 30-year mortgages if they can do a 15. Right. I think it's really smart to do a 15-year mortgage. You're going to pay it off that much faster, pay so much less in interest. Um, you know, I mean, some of the things, some of the money principles that I've learned, besides authors like Dave Ramsey, 
were like from my father, and mm -hmm. and he was a yep. business uh, business owner. He was a military pilot in for the Air Force actually for twenty years. But as you know, your grandpa then when he retired, he was only like forty two, and started a business, and then bought a railroad actually in Iowa, the Cedar Valley Railroad. Um, was wildly successful. Mm -hmm. Was in People Magazine back in the nineteen eighties, and but then lost it all. And talk about bankrupt. I mean, I know what that felt like in 2009. But my father ended up, your grandpa, with literally only millions of dollars. Yeah. Because he was very leveraged. And it was kind of what people were doing and still are doing today. But the railroad was very leveraged. And they had a couple of things, accidents and things that happened. And all of a sudden, it was, you know, he was found himself at 56 years old. And not only broke, but owing... Millions, millions of dollars yeah, yeah. so um thankfully i mean he was a very uh he's you know gone now unfortunately yeah. but he was a very tenacious stubborn non-quitter uh so he was so great i remember uh visiting him about six months before he died and talking to him about what happened at age 56 because he died at 75 but when he was 56, he had to regroup and mm -hmm. and find go back to the basics of you know how to make money and and he was really really successful in real estate, not the kind of real estate that we do with right. residential yep. homes, but with uh, big uh, apartment complexes and syndications and so forth. And so he decided to uh, he said you know I turned over every rock I just kept turning over rocks until I kind of find the right the right formula to get back into business and that's what he did and. And then he ended up uh, building a multi-million dollar company uh, that still survives today. And he paid off all of his debts. And what's interesting about Dave, he, he talks a little bit about bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And people who uh, people will think, well, I'll file for bankruptcy. And then I'll wipe out all my debts and I can kind of right. start all over again fresh right. and do it, yep. do it all over again. And I literally have known uh, a few people who have done that. Thankfully, your grandpa was one of those people who said, I'll be damned if I'm going to file bankruptcy. He did not file for bankruptcy. Right. He ended up paying off, ultimately, all of his debts and, um, and being very successful. So, I mean, it's, it, it's really a money attitude, I think. Yeah, and that's, and that's one thing he talks about is it's, is it's, it's more about your modifying your behavior than, than the math. And that's why he even says, like, when it comes to, like, the debt snowball, ranking them smallest to largest – might not even necessarily make sense from a math perspective because you might have higher interest on some of these larger ones where it would make sense from a math perspective to, to pay those off first. But he said it's about modifying behavior, and that's why he came up with the debt snowball rule as, as the second step. Um, so it's, it's, it's really interesting, and he talks about bankruptcies. He says, like you said, people think they're going to have a clean slate. What he found is that if you have a bankruptcy and then you don't modify your behavior, you're pretty likely to have another one and another one. I mean, there's there's examples. And that's one thing, too, that we haven't touched on yet, is there's testimonials throughout the book. I mean, there's probably three or four testimonials per chapter. Mm -hmm. um, so you get a lot of perspective. Because uh, you might you might look at you might look at Patty and say, oh, well, I, you know, you, her, your situation isn't comparable to hers, even when things got so bad in 2009. Um, but there's a million examples and testimonials from people. So there's, there's going to be somebody that you have a very similar situation to, and you can kind of see that they've used this blueprint and how they've kind of turned things around. So I think it's a, it's a great book. And yeah, and they talk about kind of uh, a lot of different people in there, different couples and uh, single people and so forth, and what their finances actually are or right. were, and yep. then what they did to yep. 
Get and one thing there. that I thought was really interesting, just to kind of, I talked about compound interest right in the beginning, because it's like this big, it's this thing that everybody knows is important, but nobody really necessarily understands, or at least, in my opinion, people my age. Um, but he gave an example of like a couple that made $50,000 a year, and if they get to age 30 and invest $650 a week, which came out to like like $7,500 a year, it would be worth $8.5 million, or $7.5 million dollars after 30 years. Mm-hmm. And that's it's a total of like $220,000 being invested over that 30 years, but it, with compound interest it grows, and over 30 years it grows to $7.5 million. That to me was a really eye-opening experience, because me personally, I've been in a position where, you know, I got in a little debt when I lived in New York, and then, you know, I actually didn't even realize it at the time, but when I talked to you and you kind of put me on a plan, it was actually Dave Ramsey's plan, <laughs> it's pretty funny, now reading it. Um, and you thought it was all mine, didn't you? I thought you were crazy. Um, <laughs> now you know I'm not. Yeah, but so it's like in, like investing for retirement has like been so on the back burner for me, and I'm, I'm 27, and... But this book's really kind of illuminating how important it is to do it early because that's that's where you're going to reap the greatest benefit. So me, I was like, ah, I can start saving for retirement when I'm like 35 and I got you know everything figured out. But it, you never get to that point where you got everything figured out. You know, you just got to make a commitment to do it, and it's going to be worth it. Yeah, and it gives you such a great sense of security to know that you have a 401k plan established uh, or simplified. You know employee plan and all, all these different things and talk to your talk to your accountant or your financial advisor set something or just up Dave Ramsey. well certainly start <laughs> with Dave Ramsey and then go see somebody and and get a plan put together and put something away every paycheck so that you know you're building and and like you were talking about compounding interest really makes a huge difference and when you start in your 20s versus right yeah, you know, absolutely. much later you're going to be in really good shape. And especially me, I'm you know I'm basically self-employed. I mean, I work with you guys, work for you guys, whatever. But um, you know, as far as my taxes go, I'm I'm self-employed, and um, so I don't have like a a, a 401k where my company matches it or whatever. So all the more reason for me where I was like, ah, I'll you know I'll figure that out later. But it just really shows you why it's important to do it now. Well, and he talks about a Roth IRA. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. I mean, I haven't set it up yet, but that's. You after definitely after need to reading that. this, I'm going to have one this yes. year. I, I, I promise you. And that. there's caps of what you can even put yeah. into a yep. Roth um, IRA. So, but that's an easy one. And that's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I'll definitely, you know, Rose, my fiance, and I will we'll have max out our Roth IRA for 2020. Yeah, a couple of, a couple other things we should mention too about what Dave talks about in this book is, um, like he talks about like people refinancing their houses. Don't do that unless you really, you know, like if you're doing a, if you're going to lower your interest rate uh, or pay it down or a combination, of, then great, do that. Uh, but don't refinance your house and do a cash out and use your house like an ATM machine. Right. Um, I mean, unless you're maybe you got cancer and it's uh, that's your only option, unless it's something that serious. It's a last resort. A last resort. Yeah, I, I know so many people personally that have refinanced their houses and then they paid off cars, paid off vacations and student loans and lots of other things, and then what they and credit card debt. And then what happens is three years later they're back in the same financial position they yeah. were before. They yeah. just have a higher house payment now. And so, you know, less equity in it. So I just think you need to be really careful not to do that. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and just it, that, I don't know why that reminded me, but just when it comes back to the retirement thing, a lot of people are like, Oh, well you'll have social security. One of the things, what well, quote from the book I thought was interesting, it said a recent survey said people under the age of 30, so that's 
millennials and myself believe, but more so believe in flying saucers than they believe they'll ever receive a dime from Social Security. I thought that was really interesting. Because, I mean, everybody's, I don't know, I've been always told it's kind of a Ponzi scheme, you know, we're, <laughs> <laughs> that we're paying for the older generation, but the, the baby boomers are a larger generation than we are, so it's basically going to get all used up by the time we get to that age. So I thought that was really interesting and just more so points to the fact that it's important for millennials and people my age to get on investing in their retirement. Yeah, and actually my Social Security statement and your dad's says on there, right at the little fine print at the bottom, that, okay, this is what, it'll give a number of what I'm supposed to get when, you know, I hit either 62 or 67 or 70, I think are those the three three options. But it says right on the fine print, um, by, what is it, 2034, I think is what it says on there, that you'll get 77 cents for every dollar of what you're supposed to get. So, oh, by the way, you're not actually going to get this number that's that you're seeing at the top of the, the form. Yeah, I know. What so, year was that? 2034. So it's only 14 years from now. Jesus so Christ. it's kind of like, oh, wow. So about the time I'm going to be collecting, <laughs> everybody's only going to get 77 cents on the dollar. Yeah, and so that's going to be even worse for people my age when we get there. I mean, well, it might even be 50 cents on the dollar. Right, that's what I'm saying. Hey, All we the got more important. joined by uh, little John. Hey, kitty, kitty. <laughs> I don't know if people can see his tail. Rose, can people see his tail? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's interested, aren't you? Um, but it, it is interesting, and he also talks uh, in this book about, like, oh, don't scratch the carpet. Um, <laughs> he, he talks about, like, uh, the, the dumb move that people make, which is loaning people money or yeah. co-signing loans for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, that's... That's a big one. It's a huge one. And I and he has he has some kind of horror story testimonials from people in there and it really just illustrates how we, bad we've of seen an those. idea that can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Loaning family mom, many members money and then it not getting paid back and then it creating all this drama and it's just it's not a road you want to go down. No, we saw that recently. We won't name names or go into too much detail, but that we did have a, a couple of family members on some extended family that had a big blow up uh, over, you know, one of the family gatherings over money that was lent from one party to the other, like I don't know, ten at least ten years ago. I I don't know the it specifics, was, and quite frankly, I don't care. Nuts. I don't want to involve myself it was in that because you never know what's the truth and what's not. So. Well, know. anyway, I mean, it's just one of those things you don't want to do it because people won't forget and they won't forgive you. So I made it a rule a long just, time ago, don't loan anybody money. My general rule is if, if you loan somebody, don't ever loan somebody money that you can't afford to loan them. And you have to assume it's going to be a gift. And if you get paid back, great. But you have to go into it knowing it's probably going to be a yeah, gift. Yeah, but he even, Dave even talks about Ramsey about uh, make it a gift then. Because the reason is because if well, you don't... I, I go in with the mentality that it's probably a gift, but then I do still hold out hope that they are going to pay. But he talks about people in there that then it gets weird. The relationship gets weird because that person is still seeing it as a loan. They know they haven't paid you back. Right. And then they're feeling embarrassed. And it's kind of, he talks about the master versus the servant. It sets up a weird dynamic in your relationship. So I don't know. I, I, that's true. I think just give give them a loan. If you're like, hey, I I can help you out. I'll give you, you know, give them a gift. Yeah. Give them some money if they're really needing it and you're, and you have the funds to do that and want to do it, then that's fine. I, the only exception I ever made was I did make a, a loan once to one of my sisters to start a business. And this was years ago. And 
I knew she and her husband, they were going to pay it off in three months' time, and they did. They were getting, like, a small business loan, and they had to have a certain amount, like, in the bank or yeah. whatever. Yep. So I gave them a short-term loan. They paid it off three months later with interest. So I knew, I mean, there is some some exceptions if you really know somebody really well, and you know that it's it's a good... I tell you yeah, what, yeah. I'd loan somebody money way before I ever co-signed anything. Because he, he talks about some horror stories where a guy co-signed for his girlfriend and then, then she skipped town and then never made a payment. So now he's got a car out there that he's having to pay for or ruining his credit for a girl that took it that he doesn't even want to find. You know, So, I mean, it was just some horror stories about co-signing loans. So just don't. If they need a co-signer, that means they can't get the loan. And that it, the, banks, right. the banks want to lend you money, <laughs> and if they're like, hey, I don't know if we can do this, then you definitely shouldn't be a co-signer. Yeah, that's true. And, in fact, all you got to do is watch Judge Judy. And and that's your dad loves Judge Judy. Oh, my God. He has always got Judge Judy on. He watches every episode. He loves that woman. And all you got to do is watch that a few times, and it's you're going to see somebody who co-signed for somebody or lent them money and, I mean, that's just about every other episode, isn't Stump it? Stump swears he's a lawyer because he watches Judge Judy. Stump. Yeah, well, he does quote Judge Judy. <laughs> the four corners of the contract. That's right. I like how she says, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> that's, what Judge, that's Judge Judy saying golden, that. <laughs> golden shower. But that is, <laughs> that is, she's awesome. And, you know, so I think this is a great, uh, a great book. I don't want to go probably too... Too much longer, kind of gives the highlights because people can read it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, absolutely. and really, there's so much in there. We're, we're just kind of scratching the surface. Yeah, of and it. I think the, the car stuff was really interesting, too, because especially, you know, I find things, little different things more interesting than, than maybe you do. But, like, because everybody I know always buys a brand new car, and it's, and it's just, what a, reading this book, you might, you might second guess it. So. Yeah, well, and he also talks about insurance, which I, I found that interesting, too, talking about term term versus whole life, um, disability insurance, health insurance, and uh, auto and health insurance. He recommends getting high deductibles just so that you have it in place Right. so that if you did have, say, you got cancer or some kind of horrible car accident. And you high deductibles so you have low premiums. Low premiums, but yet you're covered. Right. So, I mean, I, there's a lot of really, really good information about insurance and kind of what yeah. to buy and what to keep in mind. So I definitely was taking notes. Good job, and now you can go out and get a Roth, right? Yes. Yes. That's Hold me to be it. Hold one me to of, it. One of your goals, right? Yep. All right. Make it a habit. <laughs> All right. Well, this wraps up this week, but I'm going to tell you for the next week, we are going to cover the tipping point, which is Malcolm Gladwell, who I love Malcolm Gladwell. Just have to say it. He is amazing. I love how he views the world. He kind of tends to pick some little tiny nugget of something in life, and then he just runs with it. It's kind of like a ball of thread, and you just pull that thread, and you see where it goes. It's He's just a fascinating author. Yeah, and if you want to get more familiar with Malcolm Gladwell, and you're like me, I, I actually, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, oh, my God, that was ago. awesome. Did you listen to it? I did oh, listen to it, yeah. Yeah, he came out with a new book, Talking with Strangers, or Talking uh -huh. to Strangers. Talk, talking, I can't remember if it's Talking, talking to with, or Talking with Strangers. Yeah, but... And uh, he talks about that, so it's really interesting. It'd be a good introduction if you listen to Joe Rogan at all. And then you can read The Tipping Point. Yeah, and in fact, I, I, I want to read the, um, the Talking, talking to Strangers. strangers yeah. or, I think it's Talking to. But he's also uh, Blank and a whole bunch of other um, the Outliers is another really good one. Yep. So we're going to cover a couple of Malcolm Gladwell books. So if you don't know who he is, 
you, you might want to listen to Joe Rogan if you like yeah. podcasts. Joe Rogan's amazing. He's he's brilliant and funny and interesting. So um, I think with Malcolm, and that was, a, I thought, a really good Joe Rogan. Uh, they're long, though. I mean, we try to keep ours a half an hour. But yeah, he's yeah, like they're, they're definitely long. They're, two, good for, they're good for long commutes. Whenever hours. I drive up to New York or Boston to see Rose's family, we, we'll listen to a couple of Rogan podcasts. While you're exercising or driving or whatever. So anyway, so that's what we'll be covering. If you're if you're following us with the Lit Grit Challenge and trying to read an hour a day and you want to actually be ready for what we're going to be talking about next week, then uh, get on reading Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. And, uh, that's right. We'll see you. Oh, there he goes. There's little John. <laughs> he had to make an appearance. Hey, little John. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Happy reading.